episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive writer for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and the East Bay Times in Walnut Creek. And I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. Been online since 2004. My colleague and close friend, Bruce Aldrich, is away this week on vacation. So this morning I'm talking to Chris Bright, who is the founder of Collector Part Exchange. And Bruce and I met Chris and his colleague and friend uh, last August um, at Monterey Auto Week. And um, I don't think I've ever met a more enthusiastic person. He just had so much energy and and uh, he just very much into the car world. And uh, we drove up in a very rare car. So we'll get to that later. But I just wanted to say, um, you know, welcome back to our podcast. It's it's great to follow your newsletter, and, and um, thanks again for being our guest. Yeah, well, thanks for, for having me back. I really appreciate getting the chance to talk to you whenever I can. So uh, always a pleasure, and yeah, looking forward to uh, giving you an update on how things are going. Thanks, Chris. Chris, what a, a little background story. Could you tell us, just kind of reiterate your the, the idea that you had on uh, for your business and how it's progressed I think what August must be, uh, well, we're almost coming up on a year here in a couple of months. So can you take us through a little Cliff Notes version of um, how the company started again? And uh, it's just been a, been a rocket ship, I'm sure, for you. Yeah, you bet. I'm uh, really excited to kind of give you an update because it's all been moving in the right direction, which is what you hope for when you're starting a business. So sure. anyhow, I'm a tech entrepreneur professionally. That's what I've, I've been in that in the startup space pretty much my entire professional career. Uh, a company I was at got acquired and I decided it was time to go do something different. And uh, one of the things that I'd always been frustrated with as a car person was trying to buy parts for my cars. I, I have Alfa Romeos and other Italian cars and um, trying to find parts online was very frustrating. It's typically a little bit more of an old school space with telephone calls and and lots of, you know, back and forth to try and get what you need. And I just feel like it's time to try and help modernize this particular space. So my uh, business partner, Aaron Liberty, who is with me uh, in Monterey, he's my business partner, but also uh, he worked with me at uh, the last company that I uh, had founded and, and had just left. And we decided to give this a shot. So that's how Collector Park Exchange came to be. We really started getting to work on it in March of 2020, an auspicious month for all the different things. Yes. And, and uh, we, uh, it took us a while to research and try and figure out what was the best way to do it. And what we decided to start with is a marketplace. So basically a place where people like us, car people, can buy and sell parts. And it's trying to connect all of those sellers who uh, have the best parts and, you know, maybe they're really specialized and help them be found wherever they are um, in the world, actually. So we have customers and sellers um, in Europe and North America and some other places as well. And we launched in June, June 16th, 2021. So we're coming up on a year and when we met at Monterey, it was just a few weeks into that journey or maybe a month or so at that point in time. But um, 
yeah, uh, it's been really exciting to watch it grow and, and blossom, and we're just getting a lot of traffic and a lot of people uh, signing up and paying attention, and, and that's been really fun to watch. And we've more recently tried some new things um, with auctions, which are uh, something that we did a little test balloon with, and I can talk about more later, but... Um, you know, I, I think we're going to be doing a little bit more of that, too. Great. I would be remiss uh, in not mentioning, and you're going to have to help me again, when the two of you guys showed up, um, I thought it was because Bruce and I, you know, were particularly handsome and you guys aren't so bad looking yourselves, but it was the car that you came in on that got all the attention. I thought it was us, but it wasn't, of course. It was the car. <laughs> um, that was... <laughs> How did that did that car make it back to where it came from? And and tell us again what the, what that car is all about. It I know it just got a tremendous amount of attention down there. Sure, sure. No, it was a lot of fun. Uh, in fact, after we saw you, we took it over to Concorso Italiano, and it was uh, one of the hits of the the lot. It was in a lot of photos and and things like that. But yes. um, what it is is a uh, it's a car that I had built, so it's not original. I yes. always like to point that out. I know yes, I'm not. Uh, that isn't a problem. Uh, I just like to be straightforward with everybody. But um, I had it built in Argentina by a fellow named Nestor Solano. And Nestor is one of the last remaining guys to actually race sports cars in the 50s. He raced against Sterling Moss and Juan Manuel Fangio and all, Mike Hawthorne and uh, all, the, all of the top drivers of the day. And, in fact, he raced for Fangio after Fangio retired. Um, yes. So Nestor it has moved on and become a car builder, and I found him pretty randomly, but um, ended up talking to him and deciding, you know, I, it sounds like it would be a really interesting project to have a, to work with him on building a car. And what we built was, it's a Maserati 350S uh, replica or tribute car, depending on how you want to talk about it. Sure. Um, but it's really a tool room copy. Um, it's very... It's built in the original way with the original materials, with the original designs, um, all all custom made, and out of his shop just outside of Buenos Aires. And um, in it, it, we there was one car uh, in that era that was a 300 body Maserati or 350. Um, it was the same body, just one had a slightly bored out engine, and uh, and then. It, Sterling Moss raced that in the 1956 Mille the year after he had won it in the famous Mercedes number 72. Um, and you may recall Mercedes pulled out uh, because of the Le Mans tragedy. So anyhow, uh, Moss and Jenkinson took over this car and ended up crashing it because it had only got prepared like the day before the race and they didn't get everything to get, especially the brakes. And... Um, once it crashed, they took it back to the shop and they dropped a, an eight-cylinder engine. It was the very first 450S um, prototype. So I really liked that story and liked that car and a big fan of Moss and Jenkinson. And um, so that's what we built. And that's what we arrived in down in Monterey. It was a lot of fun to uh, be able to show it off. It had just uh, gotten uh, running and on the road. Unfortunately, since that time, uh, the engine... Uh, became a little dodgy, and we're having to do um, do on, do some work on the top end. So I'm working on getting it ready so that I can bring it back down and use it during the drum driving season, but also have it back in 
Yeah, it was great. I, I have this visual of we, we um, met you and Aaron at uh, um, an outside brew pub, and it was really nice day, and, and we, you know, had a nice chat, the four of us, and you were just starting uh, your journey down there, and you went on to, you know, all kinds of different things and people that, to, that you met. We were kind of the bottom feeders. You met us, I think, early in your week. And, uh, <laughs> you were like the first person we, we connected with. <laughs> yeah, and so it was fun, but when we, we said our goodbyes and shook hands, and we went over to the parking lot, and there were some other cars there, people, you know, gathering for the for the week, and uh, boy, there were, immediately, there must have been 10 people around that car within 30 seconds, and so we knew we when we left you guys said we Bruce and I talked and said boy I don't know if he's if he's ready for what he's up what's going to happen in the next few days and obviously it did <laughs> <laughs> no it it was so much fun and you know it that was why I wanted to build this car those those types of cars are just so extremely rare that they they don't even really make it out of the museum uh, more often than not so to to be able to have a car like that and have it out in the public and be able to just pull into a public parking lot and not have to be too freaked out about it um, is is really what it's about. I want people to see it. It's a piece of art. It's a piece of history. Um, it represents a time when, you know, in the U.S. we had um, astronauts after World War II. You know, those were in fighter pilots and, you know, people like Chuck Yeager. We had some car people, but in Europe they didn't have any of those things because, you know, they were just trying to rebuild after the war. And car uh, race drivers were the astronauts that day. They risked their lives doing amazing and brave things. And it really did um, drive engineering and innovation forward. And I just think it's such an important part of the automotive history. And, you know, something that you don't get to see or experience that often. So to be able to have that car and take it out on the road, I mean, it's the most this whole amazing driving experience you can imagine. It's just raw power. It's a pure race car. It's roaring and popping and, uh, um, you know, just everything about it. And it. Everywhere you go, everybody, it stops traffic. It stops people on the <laughs> sidewalk, and they all watch it go by. That's right. Um, well, thanks, Chris, for, for revisiting that topic. I'm uh, on my laptop here, I have your current um, newsletter in front of me, and it's very well done. I'm sure others have mentioned this to you, and I'm looking at um, the nice logo, CPX, you know, in the circle, Collector Part Exchange, Shop Talk is the name of the newsletter. This happens to be issue number 42. It's dated April 25th, so it's current, and the subheads below that just says this week, and what a varied newsletter this one is, uh, the Porsche Parts King of Silicon Valley. Keith Martin, and he's, he's a pretty well-known uh, journalist in 30 Alphas, 300 Miles. Bugatti wins La Jolla. Porsche Transporter on the BAT. I'm not quite sure what that is. I'll have to ask you about that. Bring a trailer. They bring a trailer. Of course it is. I How how, how dare I forget that? Uh, <laughs> Ferrari 340 MM Spider by Vignali or Vig, Vignal. And Vignali. I should get my Italian pronunciations uh, perfected. <laughs> And then ob objects of desire. So let's start with um, in this newsletter. And by the way, the format's great. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, I admire it as a as a journalist. You know, way, the way you put this together. And and I don't mean it to be flippant on, on any level, but you're you're a pretty damn good journalist. You have a really good writing style. And so congratulations to you on that. I know that 
we talked briefly, you did have a, a journalism background. I think you were a reporter at one point. Well, I wasn't a reporter, but I've definitely done a lot of contributions to magazines and articles I've written for Sports Car Market and Alfa Romeo owner, uh, Alfa owner, and things like that. Yes. In the car world in particular. And, and I do come from a communications background origin. That's so what it was, yes. A, yeah, definitely a natural fit for me. But it, it means so much, uh, your compliments, being such an accomplished and well-known journalist yourself to... to to, to say those kind words about um, shop talk, it's a it's a real passion project for me. Every I, I it's issue forty two, and I started with issue one, and I haven't missed a week since. So we're coming up on uh, the, the one year anniversary, and you know I do it all myself. I write everything and put it together. And in, in um, you know, if anybody's interested in checking it out, you can come to Collector Park Change and sign up, and it'll just arrive in your um, inbox every week on Monday afternoons, and you know, it to me, I I feel like I'm. Some of it's my personal experience, like my my the story this week was I was down in the Bay Area and I met with a guy named Rich Bontempi, who um, is an amazing guy who's been selling Porsche parts for fifty years, and I <laughs> focus on yeah. parts of the 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 world that don't get covered. You know, when yes. when we think I'll talk about some event that I was at, and the next week I'll kind of talk about, um, you know, we all know different manufacturers and parts of manufacturers, but no one really knows where they came from. Things like Barani wheels or um, S2 carburetors or, um, you know, Lucas um, electronics and Bosch fuel injection, and I just try and take people inside how those items work and why they're innovative and... And the story of the companies, and I think it, you know, it's something that no one really covers or no one writes about, and I just, I, I only write about what I'm curious about. I'm just a naturally curious person, so whenever I'm, uh, you know, I don't really plan anything on Sunday afternoon. I sit down and it's like, I wonder how a suspension I read about, you know, I, I keep reading about the Dion suspensions, and I have no idea what those are, so I just go down a rabbit hole and, and write about what I learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, this in this case, I, I'm assuming you took the the images as well. The top image shows this guy with a big smile on his face. He I'm, obviously he's in his element. And he, you know, he's the back there up as just a, a warehouse room full of all kinds of you know windshield wiper blades and bo empty boxes and all kinds of. But I'm sure if you asked him for you know part X, he would know exactly where to go to find it. And then reading the story, you really get a feel for this guy and. Um, the next picture down is, um, you know, a wall of wheels, which is a great image. Yeah. And then, and then he's got all these body parts, and and I, I'm not sure with all that black stuff is in the background of the, of the third picture down. It's a oh, it's the library of Porsche hoods, and then in the stuff in the background in, in uh, boxes. I don't know what those are. Various parts. I don't know. Maybe it's a. Yeah. You know. but, well, you know, it, it's amazing. You you see this unassuming building in the heart of Silicon Valley, and you, you wouldn't even look twice at it, but, you know, you go inside and somehow the space unfolds to be so much larger than what it appears to be on the outside. Yes. This guy's been breaking down Porsches for 50 years. <laughs> it, it didn't always start that way, but, yes. you know, it, we, I'm so grateful that people like that exist because, you know, they, those parts... They, no one's making those anymore. I mean, they're 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 a rare and precious thing. So, 
here's somebody who's made it his life's work. He's built a beautiful and, and profitable business out of it too. Yes. But, you know, the, 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 not just the country, but the world is dotted with people doing the same thing. And, and I want to tell their stories. I mean, they're just, um, it's, uh, how they get into it, it's always different and interesting and they're passionate. You don't get into something because, you know, you're not into cars. It's people who are super passionate about cars. And, and that smile on Rich's face is, that's one of the best pictures I've taken of somebody. He just, uh, that that's his personality coming through in that, that photo. Honestly. Sure, that's like, a great, just, I, I said, Rich, I need to take your picture right then. And he, he just turned around and he splashed me this smile and the light was cool and it was, you know, in there. And, and like you said, that it looks a little chaotic in there, but everything is in its place. It's super well organized and, um, yeah, they, they, they do basically all online sales and support a lot of garages and restoration shops and keeping all of those cars on the road. That's great. Yeah, as a quick aside, um, after we met with you last August, um, I found out about this guy who has the uh, world's largest collection of Ramblers and other AMC vehicles, and he's in Elizabeth, Colorado. So I went to a journalism function in Estes Park, and then I drove from there. Um, before I went to the journalism conference, I went over to Elizabeth, which is a tiny little town. And just as exactly as you mentioned, I came upon this um, museum that was tucked up in a bunch of redwood trees and this guy comes out and I think you're old enough to remember what Roger Maris, the baseball player, looked like. Crew cut, sure. very straight-laced crew cut guy comes out and he's got six buildings um, of, you know, I'm enamored by Ramblers and the simplicity of those cars and he's got 600 of them and a bunch of other cars too. So we spent two or three hours together and it reminded me of this fellow Rich. Um, so this guy, if you're ever in Elizabeth, Colorado, you'll have to go to the Rambler Museum and have an interview with this guy. He was just phenomenal too, with great enthusiasm. Great enthusiasm, yeah. Well, so, I, I, thanks for sharing that story. I love it. And you know, it, it, like everybody knows somebody like one of these guys. Sure. And if you're in the car world, and you know, I, I just feel like it's the a dying breed in some ways, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like, hey, uh, I don't see a lot of people, you know, in, in their 40s and 50s or younger than that, kind of following that same path. I mean, no. there's some wealthy guys who go up by, you know, a bunch of GT3 RSs and, and exotics and things like that. And that that's cool. I, that, that's a good thing, too. But the people who love and take care and restore and, um, just are tied to a, a brand or a certain type of car. It's a it's a really cool thing. One of the big motivators for starting Collector Part Exchange was recognizing that yeah, at some point these folks are going to need to sell those parts or find new homes for them or what have you. And you know, my my the biggest tragedy, at least in that I in this space, not in in a grand or global scale, but is you know somebody like that. Um, uh, moving on and those parts going in the crusher or, you know, just not being able to find a home. And, you know, I want to make sure that we're up and running and strong so that when when people are ready, they can help move those parts to a new home and, and make sure that they don't get um, 
accidentally, in many cases, uh, destroyed and, and discarded. That's great. Yeah. One more thing be, before moving on to the um, the business of uh, the newsletter, which I'm enamored with. But uh, a couple of stories down is the one the um, the Porsche bus, uh, the Porsche hauler, and uh, that <laughs> I took a took my breath away when I saw that. That oh my gosh. Um, <sighs> That two hundred and seventy-five thousand for a nineteen sixty-three Porsche hauler, and uh, it, it, you talk about having an unhealthy obsession with race transporters, and I can I can empathize with that. I mean, it just looks like a phenomenal um, piece of artwork, if you will, on wheels. Uh, that what a great what a great little story you did on that. That's great. It was really nice. Yeah, I I I, uh, I have as I, I it, one of these days I'm going to have have be in a position to buy one of those things. And uh, and I cannot wait. Like it, I hope the business grows because I can do it as a write-off and put CPX on the back of it or something like that. But um, you know, I I just think uh, those race transporters from the fifties and sixties. Uh, my favorite one is the one that Maserati and Ferrari teams used in the fifties and sixties, and then. Uh, uh, the Shelby Cobra team used them. Carol Shelby uh, brought some over to the U.S. And they're these Fiat trucks that can carry like four or five Grand Prix cars, like double stacked. Wow. And I happen to know somebody who owns one of those. And I every time I'm, I can get inside of it, just look at it, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about pieces of history. There's a great book. It's called Around the Circuit. And it's an entire photo book that someone collected of those transporters and haulers. So it was kind of going into the pits of all these Grand Prix races and, and road races and showing the, the I don't know, it was pretty primitive back then, but, you know, I, I really think it's a cool part of the, the whole culture and the history. I'm sure that there are cases where if you believe in the, I'm not getting too weird here, I don't think, if you believe in spirits or, or memories, if you get into one of those, you might hear some of the old drivers talking, you know, or or cracking a beer, you could if the you know the, the proverbial the walls are talking, and you might hear some some uh, stories. Who knows? You know. They're, they're, well, I, I think that's true, and you know, it's like, hey, I, like we were talking about the Maserati. It's like, you know, I could drive that down from where I live in Oregon down to Monterey, but it's about a twelve-hour drive on a good day, and yes. if you just want to take the interesting roads. It's about a fifteen-hour drive. And, you know, that Maserati, it's an open-top, open-air car, and it's its a lot. It's a lot, yes. So, a lot, like yes. 15 hours in that car, that, that's a lot. So wouldn't it be cool to be able to load it into the back of a hauler like that Porsche uh, hauler that I wrote about and drive it down and then get it out on the road oh, and gosh. really enjoy it and show it off and do all of those things? You, like, it, that's that's like the ideal scenario for me. Sure, wherever you, wherever it was that you parked for the night, you know, you probably have people knocking on the on that thing for you know four in the morning or whatever, wanting to see. You'd have to find some really discreet place to to sleep because you'd be pestered all night long, probably. <laughs> you yeah. bet. Um, you bet. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. At one point, I had this obsession with um, uh, this whole Greyhound bus. It's called a scenic. Oh yeah. If, if anybody knows what that is, uh, it's one like that has a little step down, and I got really obsessed with those for a while. And I had seen someone had converted into a car hauler. It's like oh my uh, gosh, doing my darndest to try and copy that. But uh, 
uh, actually, uh, my business partner, Aaron, finally uh, talked some sense into me and <laughs> said, save that for another day. Let's focus on... Sure. I'm doing the on the business. Uh, it's it's one of those things that in the end it would be cool, but you can't imagine the amount of work that it would take to kind of get one of those up and running and, and converted. Sure. I just want to remind everybody that we're speaking with Chris Bright, who's the founder of uh, Collector Part Exchange, and I was focusing on the journalistic part of of your world, which you know I I'm, admire greatly, but I. I better talk about the business part of it, too. And, and since August, um, Chris, could you t- tell us, uh, ha- have you gone into some areas or have things surprised you? People have shown up from all different parts of the world to buy and sell. And you, you mentioned auctions early on in the in the podcast. Um, what would you like to say about where the business has gone and what, what has surprised you about um, offering this service that you have? Yeah, well, it's it's been... It's- it's been an interesting ride, and as I mentioned, you know, this isn't my first business that I've started. Sure. So I'm kind of used to the, the, the journey. I think there's this mythology that, uh, you know, there's all these overnight successes, and, um, you know, a, a business like this is not something that you start in a year or even two years. Like, in five years, I'll really be able to take a true measure of our progress, um, you know, and I was just talking to Randy Nunnenberg who started bringing a trailer recently and you know it's like we're all enamored with bring a trailer but he started that in 2007 and then the auctions came eight years later oh my and, gosh I had no idea uh, and it took yeah it took a long time for those to even take off so um you know I, I definitely geared up for the long haul but uh, we we see steady traffic and growth and we're getting new sellers reaching out to us wanting to put stuff up. But we also knew when we started, we just wanted to get something out into the world and we knew it wasn't going to be perfect. So, you know, but better to have something than kind of, you know, there's that old saying and I can't remember who it's attributed to, but letting perfection be the enemy of the good. Yes. Um, you know, we, we can sit around and try and imagine what the perfect marketplace would look like, but let's just build a marketplace and have, have it be crappy but functional, and in, in the tech world, that's called minimum viable product, and, uh, you know, I'd say we're more than minimal, but, um, you know, we, we learn some things about what people want, how they buy, and how to support our sellers, more importantly, to make their lives easier, because one of the things that we learned is a lot of these sellers, they have the intention to want to do something like this, but they don't have the time or maybe even the skill set. They aren't maybe the most tech tech comfortable folks. So we want to make it as easy as possible. So that just learning how to support them has been probably one of the most um, critical things that we've taken up on our um, you know first nine or ten months in businesses. Yes, um, working with our working with our guys and um, making sure that they know how to how to operate the system and to communicate with customers. And one of the best compliments we've gotten is, uh, it's happened more than once now, or when our sellers go, hey, I've been selling on eBay for a long time and um, I cannot wait for you guys, to, like your sales to get uh, robust enough where we can cut that off and just become a CTX seller. Over. There you go. God, that's and a nice compliment. That, that says, yeah, we, we, we still have some audience to build and things like that, but um, we're, 
we're definitely finding that uh, people are supporting us, not just from the seller, but from the buyer side, and we're having some professional people who source parts for their garages or what have you out in the world. Um, and and it's all been very, very positive. We're, we're really excited. But we've also found that, hey, how we do something, we need to improve that. Some of the some of the functionality on the site we're working on upgrading. So, you know, it's there's always going to be a, a long, long to-do list of things to, to improve. But um, it's working. People are into it. We're seeing a lot of traffic. And, and that's the – that's it's – we're feeling very encouraged and very supportive. So that's that's the that's the best thing that I can say. And and as, as we alluded to, we did have an opportunity to do an auction. And uh, I'm, as you mentioned, uh, Keith Martin, mm-hmm. uh, who is the publisher and founder of Sports Car Market, is also a, a someone that's a friend of mine. And they were. Clear, when the pandemic started and everybody was realizing that offices might not be what we need to have in the future, um, uh, Sports Car Market decided to move their headquarters from a big space to a, a really tiny space, anticipating that, hey, we aren't going to this, – this remote working thing is actually pretty suited to a, a magazine where most of our people are not even located in Portland anyway. So they decided to move, and they had a lot of stuff lying around that keep – keep himself accumulated and he said hey do you want to sell it on collective part exchange and I said yeah that would be great then he goes then he sold some things and he goes actually I don't want to sell them I want to auction them so so, and we had already been intending to to give that a shot so we finally pulled it off in February and it was so much fun to promote and Keith was uh, excited about it and very very it really um, was a real uh, hard project for in terms of it was a lot of work, but it was also fun and joyful. So we had this the auction. It went super well. We managed uh, to sell everything with an auction, and um, and uh, it did what we hoped, which is it worked first of all, and secondly, uh, probably about fifteen to twenty people reached out and said, "Hey, I want to do one of those now too." So, oh, there you go. Um, so we, uh, rather than kind of having an auction site like Bring a Trailer or eBay where things are coming and going, you know, day in and day out, what we're, we want to do is different, more like a land auction operation where we do kind of events like, hey, at the end of June, we're going to auction off collections of three different people. You know, one's a Ferrari and Maserati collector for 40 years. Another is a, you know, a, a, a Porsche mechanic who has tools and, and all sorts of really interesting parts and things like that for sale. So those are the types of things that uh, I would want to check out and I think would be fun. So we're going to give that a shot and see if that model works. But um, we're we're looking to make that a regular event where every every quarter or maybe every other month we do an auction of specific collections that we curate and put it out into the world and um, you know a lot of them are are folks who are getting on in age and they realize hey you know what am I doing with all these things I need to I want them to find a good home and uh, you know an auction and 
is is the right way to do it. And we're we're trying. We're car people, so we're you know it's. Uh, I think it's it's kind of fun having uh, items that I'm personally interested in that I think other people find interesting. Sure. Well, Chris, we could go on and on. Um, I hopefully um, in August. Uh, if you'll allow us to infiltrate your schedule, if you plan to go back to Monterey, I don't know if you do or not, but I certainly look forward to it and shaking hands and having a beer and a taco again at where some other sort of uh, uh, time maybe we can have dinner or who knows if I think Bruce and I are going to go down again. I hope you're planning to attend. It'd be nice to see you in person again. But in the meantime, I want to thank you for, for being our guest, uh, my guest today. Bruce is gone, as I mentioned earlier. And I look forward to next Monday afternoon to get the next newsletter. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a big treat. So I, I really want to thank Chris Bright again um, from Collector Part Exchange. Everybody visit, visit their site and sign up for the newsletter and check out if you're a car enthusiast, a vintage car enthusiast. Boy, there's just a lot going on. And uh, the human interest element is, you know, my thing. And so the people you get to meet and interview and write about it, it's, it's just very interesting so thanks for being our guest chris on the weekly driver podcast really appreciate it and i I know you guys are really rocking with your business so so best to you and and uh way to go thank you well well, thanks 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 for having me and definitely we'll we'll plan to get together in uh all right okay thank you again chris cheers bye-bye now all right bye